Amen. Thanks so much to all of you who participated in uh, that uh, artistic endeavor, um, sending in your photos and hashtagging your photos. That was really fun. A uh, great way for us to um, enjoy together and to really build community um, through the study of Zechariah. And just thank you for your, I don't know, it's, this has been a fun journey going through Zechariah. People, you know, when I, I, I mention this, when I tell my pastor friends, you know, we're preaching through Zechariah, they're like, their eyes get big, like, you're crazy. Uh, and, and, and you all have, have just hung in there, and I know if your home group is like my home group, there's been some beautiful and wonderful conversations that have come out of this text, and I'm just really grateful to God for um, using a book like this to bless and encourage us um, throughout the season. And today I have this opportunity to sort of summarize the entire book, the 14 chapters of Zechariah. And I'm just going to say at the outset, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this well uh, in the sense that uh, comprehensive, um, there's so much in there. Um, but I do want to highlight a few important things. And I want to start off by talking about Christmas. I know it's not Christmas, but I want to talk about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Um, one, of my, one of my favorite movies. Um, and it's the story of a man named George Bailey who feels like his life amounts to nothing. And so much so that he's on the verge of ending it all together. This is, this is the poignant moment. Uh, and then by a miraculous intervention, he has shown what the world would be like without him, as if he had never existed. And it's so interesting to go through in this sort of parallel universe and see how things are different without George Bailey. Um, the people, many of the people who were living healthy lives and doing wonderful things were kind of a mess because they didn't have the influence of George Bailey on their lives. In fact, a number of people had died because George Bailey wasn't there to set in motion a chain of events that eventually led to their being rescued from peril. And even the town where he works and, and lives, uh, the social structure, the social cohesion in that town is broken down because he's not there to do the things that to him seemed so small and so meaningless, at least in the moment. And this is really the message that we've been trying to communicate through the book of Zechariah. Uh, rejoice in the day of small things. God is at work. Rejoice in the day of small things. God is at work. Uh, it comes from Zechariah 4.10. And really the message is don't look down on what appears to be meaningless. Don't look down on what seems futile. You don't actually know what God might be doing behind the scenes, behind the curtain. And, and the book of Zechariah is, is God opening up, pulling back the curtain to see into the spiritual realm to understand more fully what's taking place, uh, even uh, despite or in alignment with what we see with our eyes. Um, the prophecies of Zechariah are given to the Israelites after they have returned from the exile. Now, now, just think about, go with me if, if this is new information to you. I want to make sure you're able to follow the, the summary of the, the story here. Um, God called the, the, the people of Israel um, to, be a, to, to, to call them into a special way of life, to be a special blessing 
to the world. Actually, to all, na- all nations, they had a special calling and a special purpose and to be a special blessing. And over the course of the years, they continued like, like we would have because they're human beings, you know, fraught with sin. They continued to reject that call. And so they enter into a phase of discipline where they are overrun by the powerful nations around them and they're scattered scattered to Babylon for a period of 70 years, after which God brings them back into the land. And this is supposed to be a time of renewal and restoration back in the land. But it doesn't go the way they, 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 they thought it would. It doesn't, the rebuilding process doesn't take off in the way that they had hoped that it would take off when they're back in the land. There are threats coming at them from the powerful nations around them. And then there is a kind of apathy or a malaise that has overtaken them within. And they're incapable of really uh, 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 seeing materialize the vision that God has given them. And so it's into that moment of apathy and malaise. And just sort of, sort of side note here. This is where you and I can connect in well with the book of Zechariah. Because the forces at work over these last few years, the pandemic and the hard conversations we've been having and the changes that have taken place in our lives, uh, the individual struggles that we've had, all of those in many cases have, have left us feeling sometimes apathetic or, or, or like a malaise has kind of settled over us and we're not sure which way to move to the left or to the right or to forward or backward and, 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 and we, feel, we feel a little bit incapable of action. And so uh, in some ways we've been living a season that's very similar to the people of God in the book of Zechariah and God sends Zechariah into that moment and he has sent Zechariah into our moment as well to ultimately speak words of encouragement. Uh, they're struggling to get the, to the city walls rebuilt, um, the city itself rebuilt, and especially the temple. And what they have done uh, in working towards that is very meager. Um, in the book of Haggai, uh, there's this moment where uh, they, they just look, the, the old timers who remember the previous temple, and they see what's being built, they start weeping because it's not what it, it should have been. It's not what they're used to. It's smaller. It's a day of small things. And into that moment, God sends Zechariah with this encouraging message. And he wants to encourage us as well. Rejoice in the day of small things. And I want to do a couple of things in this time that we have this morning, this summary. I'd like to summarize the message of Zechariah. And then I want to reflect on what it means for us as as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church, as believers, what does it mean for us to live in light of the message of Zechariah? So uh, let's do the first part, summary of the message of Zechariah. As I went back through the book this week, what struck me was this, um, simply that the request God makes of his people is very small, and the promises that God gives to his people are vast. Let me say that again if you're taking notes. This is, this is a key 
point that really helps to give shape to the whole book. The request that God makes of his people is very small, but the promises he gives to his people are vast. Let me explain what I mean by that. In the first six verses in the book of Zechariah, he calls them to return. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, return. He says, return to me. And their return is captured in this idea of rebuilding the temple. The, the temple, you have to understand, was synonymous with the presence of God. Where the temple was, there was God. In fact, people would come up to Jerusalem because they wanted to come close to God. It wasn't to see the building in and of itself. The temple was the place in the Old Testament where God was most fully manifest. And so to rebuild the temple was to reestablish the presence of God in the midst of their individual and corporate lives. And you remember in the beginning of this series, we talked about the importance of the presence of God. The presence of God in your life is everything. If you have that, then what else do you have to fear? And at the core message in the beginning is this simple call to the people of God to, to get the presence of God back at the center of their lives. Return, God says. He says, return to me. Just as he's bringing them out of the foreign land, out of Babylon, and returning them to the place that is their home, that they love, the city Jerusalem, he's saying, build the temple and return to me. It's a beautiful coming together of the Lord and his people there in that nexus point, which is the temple and all that happens around the temple. That's, that's the one request that it seems God makes of his people. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And then the rest of the entire book, all the way through to chapter 14, he's saying, and here's what I'm going to do. And don't you find this is the way with God? He, 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 gives, he gives all of himself to the reconciliation effort, to the relationship effort that we have with him. He, he brings, he does all the heavy lifting. He brings all that's necessary and he just says, come. He just says, turn towards me. Return to me. Come to me. And in practical terms, you know, here's what he says that he's going to do for the people of God as they return to him. And, he, and he, he wants to encourage them with these powerful reminders. Look, you, 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 just, you just focus on coming towards me, and then this is what I'm going to do. Verses, you know, 7 of chapter 1 all the way through the end of chapter 14. And let me call out a few choice promises that God makes in that season. Some of the things he says that he will do. First of all, and this is, we can't take this for granted. He says, I am receiving you. I am receiving you. Do you remember that powerful sermon that Jody preached on Zechariah 3? Um, the story of Joshua who stands before the Lord. He's, a, he's the priest. He stands before the Lord and he's covered in filthy garments. And there's no way he ought to be able to enter into the temple compound because he is unclean. And Satan is there accusing Joshua of his uncleanness, right? 
We know that moment in life, right? When you just feel completely unworthy to be in the presence of God. You feel completely unworthy to even reach out to God and and ask God for anything, to pray for anything, to have a relationship with God. And Satan is there and he's accusing you of all the things that in some regard are true that you have done. But then the lie is that these things will separate you forever from God. And into that moment where Joshua is living that, that uncleanness in a place that ought to be clean, God says to this angel nearby this beautiful statement in verse 4, remove the filthy garments from him. Joshua's like, what? And to Joshua, he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And then Zechariah said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. It's a beautiful image of how God receives us by making us fit to be in his presence. And part of that, another promise that comes out of this incredible book, I am cleansing you. I, I love this. We've, we've circled back to this verse a number of times, but it's just another beautiful promise from chapter 13. On that day, this is a day when God moves in some powerful ways. On that day, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David, which is a way of speaking about the pe- people of God in this context. Uh, so that, that includes ultimately uh, us as well. We're added into this promise. There'll be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Zechariah 13.1. God says, uh, I am, you return to me. Uh, I'm receiving you. I'm cleansing you. I'm protecting you. Over and over throughout the book of Zechariah, we've seen this powerful language around these defending horsemen and chariots. Uh, Pastor Miguel preached on the, the chariots that populate Zechariah's visions. Uh, and these, these horsemen and these chariots are going to defend against the threatening nations that continue to reside around the people of Israel and to cause them to fear and to live into that apathy that they've been struggling with. He says, I'm protecting you. He says, I'm empowering you. Remember this beautiful statement from uh, chapter four, verse six. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So God's empowering them. God's empowering us and he's doing it through His spirit, not by our own strength or our own power, our own abilities. And I am strengthening you, he promises. Multiple times God says through Zechariah things like, I will make them strong in the Lord and they shall walk in his name, declares the Lord. Zechariah 10, 12. And then one more, God says, I am shepherding you. Zechariah 10.3, for the Lord of hosts cares for his flock. God will directly care for his people. He'll take direct responsibility for it. One of the themes in the book of Zechariah is how the shepherds have failed. And so God ultimately will take responsibility for it. And then we open up in the last chapters all kinds of verses and prophecies that look forward to the coming of the true shepherd, Jesus Christ. In fact, more than almost any other book in the Old Testament, at least for its size, 71 times, 
the New Testament quotes or alludes to these verses, these chapters in the book of Zechariah, referring to the ministry of Jesus Christ. The, the people in the New Testament, they knew the book of Zechariah. Why? Because they knew the encouraging message that it was and the fulfillment of it that was going to take place in the person of Jesus Christ. Because God will ultimately shepherd us. He shepherds his flock. He cares for his flock. So I want you to step back. Those are just some of the promises to pull out some few choice promises throughout the book of Zechariah. Um, I am receiving you. So here's what he says. He says, look, you come to me. You return. You return to me. And, and let, me just, let me just make this really clear. In the New Testament, in Acts 2.42, we're given some means for connecting with God. It says what the early church did. They, they practiced um, fellowship. They got together, right? They prayed. They worshiped God together. And they studied, they, they listened to the apostles' teaching. So just on a kind of like, you know, initial level, if you want to return to God, if you want to get close to God, we have in that a design for how to do it. Get into the word, get into prayer, get into fellowship, worship with the body of Christ. So God says, return to me. He says, you just focus on returning to me and here's what I'm going to do. I am going to receive you first and foremost, and give you confidence of your, your standing in my midst. I am going to put clean clothing on you. And I'm, I'm going to cleanse you from within. Because a fountain of cleansing will be opened up. And we know that points towards the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The atoning work of Jesus on the cross. I am going to protect you, he says. I am empowering you with the Holy Spirit. I am strengthening you for whatever it is you're facing. And I am going to come around you and shepherd you and care for you. God does all the heavy lifting. He does all the work. He does all the hard stuff for life and spirituality. And we step back and we look at, at, at the big picture of what's happening and why even, why did God even need to send Zechariah and to give him these visions and dreams why did God even need to send Zechariah to the people? Because all the way back in the, the book of Jeremiah, he had already told them that he was going to take care of them when they returned to the land. Let me, let me read it to you. Jeremiah 29.10. This is before they've gone into exile. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. <laughs> God's not hiding, right? He's not playing hide and seek with us. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you 
into exile. This was the promise that they went into exile with and they came back with. This is the promise that they had that God was going to continue to take care of them, to continue to watch over them. But now they're back and they're basically saying to the Lord, you promised you would take care of us, but it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. You promised God that you would take care of us but it doesn't seem like you are doing anything. And so God says, all right, George Bailey, let me show you what's really happening. And he pulls back the curtain and he drops this amazing prophecy through the prophet Zechariah to give them a little peek into what's actually happening in the spiritual realm. As in the physical realm, it looks to them like God is not working. And this is our story as well. We look around in the day of small things and we wonder, you know, God, are you at work in my life? You might be wondering that. You might have been wondering that through the course of the pandemic. God, uh, are you at work in my life? Everything, I feel so limited. I feel so contained. Are you at work in my family, in my kids, in my extended family, in my, my elderly parents? Are you at work in my family? Are you... At work in my sense of purpose, you know, the great resignation, we're all asking these questions about what should I be doing with my life? Where am I headed? God, are you at work in my purpose, in my life? Are you at work in, in my plans? Are you at work in my church? So many things have changed, it's so different. Are you at work in my church? And God's saying to us, yes, in the book of Zechariah, he's saying, yes, I am. I'm still, I am still working. I'm working in ways that you cannot conceive of. So don't look down on the day of small things. That's the message of Zechariah. And because this is true, that God is working, there are a couple of key ways we should go about living. The first one is this. Focus on faithfulness. Focus on faithfulness. There were a lot of things that the Israelites could do or could worry about during the day of their return. They could worry about the wall. We've got to rebuild the wall around the city because we don't want to get attacked. They could worry about the, the mighty cavalries that the nations around them had, and they didn't have any. They didn't have a cavalry. That was the advanced weapon of war. They, had, they, they could do nothing in the face of it. They could worry about their own houses, and they get called out in Haggai for being concerned about uh, building their paneled houses. They could worry about their businesses and their wealth. Again, Haggai calls them out in that. But what does the Lord ask them to do? What does faithfulness look like? Well, he asks them to build the temple. Faithfulness looks like getting the presence of God at the center of their lives. God says, amidst all the things that you could be doing, focus on faithfulness, on putting me at the center of your collective and your individual lives. There are a lot of things we can't do in life that we'd like to do. And we maybe have experienced that more during the pandemic than, than at other times in our life. I've crossed over the 50-year-old threshold, and so I'm feeling that uh, limitations, those limitations uh, growing in my life. I've, uh, over the course of my life, there's so many things I've been able to do, and, and, and there's a narrowing process that takes place as we get older, uh, focusing on what we're doing. And there's no more bad things to let go of. There's just good things to let go of, right? That's part of the painful process 
of, of life, but it, it's, it's limitations. There's a lot of things I can't do. There's a lot of things you can't do. There's a lot of things that we have been uh, unable to do in this season. But one of the questions that I keep coming back to, um, especially over the last weeks and, and maybe months, that I keep asking myself, and I don't even know if it's me, I feel like it just keeps popping up into my head. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit asking me this simple question, what can you do? What can you do? Amidst all the complexity of life, amidst all the things that you can't fix, what can you do? What is a simple act of faithfulness that you can carry out in this moment? Both to, to get a, a, a deeper presence of God in my life, and then also to align my actions and my behaviors more fully with God's call on my life. What can I do? I think about this principle in relation to uh, our church and the work that we've been doing over this season. You know, for months and months, um, not even those of you who are here were here. We were speaking into a camera and we were watching online and that was hard and distracting. And, and then all the, the, the deconstruction moments that we've gone through in the course of the last years. Uh, and then the, the unique challenges. Churches have been struggling. It's a tough season. And, and Gabe shares a little bit of that as well as he shared with us this morning. Um, churches have closed. I was on the phone with a pastor this week who was just so broken. He just said so many goodbyes. He just he said, I either got to figure out a new way to handle this or I got to get into a different line of work because he just felt so broken over the losses and the trials. And, you know, a lot of these things have been true for us as well. It's been a day of small things in some regards. But in the midst of that, there are these little shoots of green that keep sprouting up. I was so blessed to have a membership class at our house over the last couple of weeks and to have sitting around my table a number of just amazing people getting to hear their stories and their journeys. God is adding new people to our congregation that have incredible stories of the way in which he has been shepherding them into closeness, into his presence um, we've got amazing people who are part of exploring Christianity through Alpha. I just love that we've had this resurgence this, uh, of the Alpha course and, and people being a part of that. People who are, you know, exploring what does it mean to be a Christian. Um, we've had amazing people who will be baptized at the end of this month. You know, our council, our church council has been working behind the scenes and has made huge leaps, for, leaps forward. And we've shared some of that with you uh, over the last season. And I could say the same thing about our elders and our staff. Uh, and, 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 and then to collectively, our council and our elders and our staff have just finished three powerful meetings in which we grappled with questions of, of race and faith and we dug into the heavenly all people's vision and I'm just so encouraged about some of the direction that's gonna be birthed out of that conversation. We've got our Gospel Academy launching cohort uh, coming up in the fall, which is something that has been a dream for years, but because of the way things have gone, we've been able to kind of finally put it together, and we're having tremendous response to that. And then we've served as one of the primary sending churches for a church plant in Oakland, which is something that we've always wanted to do for the entire 17-year life of this church, but, but it happened during the pandemic. So there you see the day of small things, but God is at work in so many powerful and beautiful ways. Yeah, let's, let's give praise where praise is due. 
I mean, I, I had to re- repeat this list back to myself because it's easy to see this, just the smallness of things, right? So we've asked that question, what can we do? And God has been faithful to bring fruit. And I would say that Zechariah is inviting all of us to ask that question. What can I do? How can I be faithful right now to get Christ at the center of my life? And how can I be faithful right now to allow God to work through me in ways that will align my life more fully with his? Focus on faithfulness. And the last one, the, 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 the last point is to stay encouraged. I loved, Pastor Paul highlighted this uh, in one of his sermons, and I just thought it was, as I sat with his comment throughout the course of weeks, I realized how true it actually was. You know, once you get through all the crazy images and dreams and visions, it's a very left brain book, it's for the artists, that's why you've had these artists, you know, yeah, (laughs) I've loved it too. Um, You know, once you get through all this imagery and stuff, what you really see is that what God is trying to do through Zechariah is encourage you. He just wants to encourage you not to give up, not to settle, not to become apathetic, right? That's what God is doing in the book of Zechariah. Ultimately, it is a book of encouragement. That's the purpose of it. Stay encouraged, he's saying. And when I think about the overall goal uh, of the book of Zechariah, uh, in terms of the impact it's supposed to have, right? This is an emotional application, Right? This is an emotional application. So we can talk about what God has done and all his promises and everything, but it doesn't just stop there. It's so that you might be encouraged in whatever you're going through. Stay encouraged. It's an emotional application. If we go to the New Testament, every time I think about this message in the book of Zechariah, I come back to this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, which seems to capture so much of what is being said here in this incredible book. Paul writes, so we are always of good courage. See, that's the same word, be encouraged. We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, that was the problem with the people of God in the time of Zechariah. They were just looking around, using their eyes to assess reality. And so God sends Zechariah with these crazy dreams and visions, says, no, actually, in the spiritual realm, some amazing things are happening. So just have faith. And look with the eyes of faith, not merely with your physical eyes. Someone reminded me this week of what I shared uh, a number of months ago after returning from Yellowstone. Last summer, Jody planned this trip for us to go as a family to Yellowstone Park. We had an amazing time. And one of the sweetest moments was the last day when we had seen every animal that we could possibly have seen, we thought, except for the wolf. So we needed to see the wolf. We were praying, Lord, give us an opportunity to see the wolf. So we got up like 4 a.m., drove two hours to Lamar Valley, and we went down this little road, Slough Creek, and we pulled over, and we had these little binoculars. They were great, but just, you know, little binoculars. And we looked out at what we were told was a wolf, the den of a, a pack of wolves. The only problem is that it was a mile away. 
So we pulled out our binoculars and we started to look and to scour and we could see a little bit better, but there were all kinds of cars with people who were much more committed to wolves than we were, who were lined up next to us and they had these telescopes out. And, you know, we're all chatting and talking, and um, they're then pretty soon they're saying, well, come over and look in my telescope. And so we go over and we look in the telescope at the uh, den, and all of a sudden it's like, pop, there are the wolves. And guess what? On this particular day, they were interacting with these elk and this dance, which was potentially leading to some sort of attack, what went on for an hour and a half. And the people who've been out there, you know, year after year, they're like, I've never seen this before. And we're like the newbies. We just show up and we get to see this amazing thing. That's like, well, anyway. Um, so we, we look through and we watch this dance. And I remember this moment where I, I, I was looking through the telescope and, and seeing, and then I stepped aside and I looked a mile out there. And I was like, you know what? I can't see it. I can't see what's going on. I looked through the telescope I can see exactly what's happening. I step away, just use my naked eyes. I can't see. What the book of Zechariah is reminding us of and what we're reminded of in that passage in 2 Corinthians is that faith is like a telescope. Ultimately, it is helping you to see what you cannot see just with your physical eye. And too much of the time we go through life relying on our sight. And so we say, God, where are you? You're not moving. I, you, you promised these things, but I don't see it, Lord. So where are you? And that initiates the process of discouragement. Right? And God is saying, look, look through the telescope. Because beyond your physical sight, I am at work. And I'm doing amazing things. And I know it just looks like a hillside. A day of small things. Just a hill. But actually in the midst of that, you know, the wolves are interacting with the elk. There's something beautiful that is taking place. So look, make sure you look hard with the eyes of faith. That's all the book of Zechariah is. God's just saying, you know what? These people are discouraged. They're just looking at what's happening around them. So let me just give them a heavenly vision, like the throne room that we sang about. And he pulls back the curtain and he says, look, I love you, I'm with you, I'm protecting you, I'm strengthening you, I'm doing things you don't even understand, I've given you your Holy Spirit, I've given you the Holy Spirit, you know, just trust me. Don't fall prey to the discouragement. Be encouraged. So church, as we finish up the book of Zechariah, this is a message. Stay encouraged. What can I do? Be faithful. What can I do right now? And stay encouraged. We walk by faith, not by sight.